Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, unwanted pets and relatives, it's Mr. Palumbo today, and welcome to the Professor Liberty Podcast, where we try to give you a solid 15 minutes of education, and anything past that, who knows what's going to happen. But I, my goal always is that you are edified, enlightened, and filled with knowledge that you previously might not have had. Today, we're going to talk about economics. The title of the episode today is What is Economics? So we're going to talk about economics and why it's important. You know, I've, I have to admit, I've always been fond of economics. I've always found it interesting. In fact, when I started my college career with business administration, when I got to the university, I majored in economics. However, as the math began to evolve into calculus, my graphs started going to the right when they were supposed to be going to the left. And so I found myself at an impasse, and around junior year, I had to make some changes. So I have a minor in economics with a major in political science. So sometimes life hits a curveball, throws you a curveball rather, and you've got to adapt and overcome. But I never stopped reading economics. Uh, you know, I've read Milton Friedman, Freedom and Capitalism and Freedom. I've read Thomas Sowell. I've read The Communist Manifesto. Yes, that's an economics book, more like a fairy tale. Uh, I've read um, many, many things because it's such a fascinating discipline. Now, most states in the country require that 12th grade seniors have one semester of economics. They get one semester of government and one semester of economics. I think both of those classes should be more than that. But I enjoy the philosophy and the social science that economics presents. And I still read, like I said, many books from time to time. Along with knowing history, it's been my experience that knowing basic economic principles can help you sift through the talking points of those in power, or the chatter of the news media, right? How do we know what they're saying is true? In other words, if you know basic economic principles, you can see through the propaganda. How many times do we hear politicians say we need to raise taxes so we can help the less fortunate in society? But why do the states with the most taxes have businesses leaving those states for other states with lower taxes? And then people don't, they, they don't understand why. Well, it's because basic economic principles or economic laws are at play before your very eyes. And if you know these rules or these laws, you can see what's going to happen. And yes, you might even be able to predict what's going to happen. Now, they are called economic laws. Now, in class, I do like to share that just like other scientific laws, right? What is a scientific law? It is something that when X happens, Y is a result, right? So if you, the law of gravity, if I drop a pen, it, or if I let go of a pen rather, it will fall. It will fall every time I let it go. That's because the law of gravity is a settled thing. It is a settled thing. It happens every time. Economic laws are very similar. If you break these laws, there will be consequences. Just recently, what was it, last month, that huge cargo ship got stuck in the Suez Canal, right? And, and economists were 
arguing and debating over what kind of impact that is going to have on the world economy. Well, why is that? Because we are in a globalization time, right? The whole world is part of this giant trade network. And if you have a traffic jam in one of the main arteries where trade goes back and forth, supply is going to go down. If supply goes down, demand goes up. Now, we're not going to talk about supply and demand today, but what I'm trying to share with you guys is things don't happen in a vacuum. Isaac Newton famously said that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Now, he was referring to physics, but, in the, but the same is true in economics. For every government action, People and businesses and corporations are going to react. They're going to make decisions based on what is before them. For every dollar in someone's pocket, their behavior will change. If a person with one dollar, he can only spend so much. He's limited to that dollar. But his, his decisions and his behavior is going to be different compared to the person with a hundred dollars. These are economic facts. And the more people grow up ignorant of economics, the more they get frustrated with their livelihoods. They don't understand why they're worse off. They voted for the guy who promised him everything, and yet they're chronically unemployed. Prices keep going up. Their dreams are smashed. However, if they would have understood the causes and effects regarding economic policies, maybe they would have not bought into the lies told by the politicians. Are you guys catching all the puns, the economic puns so far? I mean, we are discussing economics, right? I've said prices. I've said buy. These are good. Anybody catching these? No? Nothing? Nothing? Bueller? Nothing? Anyway, so I'd like to lay out some basic economic concepts today. Things that I believe, if you were to keep them in the back of your mind and use them to analyze what the powers that be are telling you, you will be better prepared to withstand all the baloney out there, the hogwash, the bullpucky. When I begin my economics class every year, I normally have what is economics written on the board, and I have the kids tell me what do they think economics is. Most of them will say it's money or banking or the stock market, which obviously is true. Those things are involved with the study of economics. But most people don't know that economics is a social science, and its essence is really about the study of human behavior. I often make this point, and this is how I've always defined economics until my dying day. This is how I will share it. Human wants are unlimited, but resources are limited. Therefore, choices have to be made. Let me say that again. Human wants are unlimited, but resources are limited. Therefore, choices have to be made. If you recite that over and over, and if it's the only thing you ever remember about economics, I think you're in a more informed position than most people today. Economics is the study of choices. It essentially comes down to wants, needs, and resources. So let's let's define a couple terms here. A want. What is a want? A want is just something that you want. You don't really need it. 
and uh, you can live without it, but it's something that you would want to have, right? And have you ever noticed you never stop wanting stuff? Let me ask you a question. How much money is enough money? A million dollars? Well, why not two million dollars? Well, why not three million dollars? We never stop wanting. Our wants are unlimited. You could have the world and you'll still want more and more and more. A need is a tad different. A need is something that you need to survive. Or it's, or it's something that if you don't have it, life is going to be very difficult for you. Maybe not certain death, but very difficult. For example, shoes. Shoes are probably a need. If you don't have them, will you die? No, but life will be very uncomfortable. You know, I live out here in Vegas. It's very hot. You're going to want shoes in the summertime. So, for example, food, water, clothing, housing, these are all needs. A want would be something like a yacht, video games, triple scoop, ice cream, stuff like that. The interesting thing about needs is they're pretty finite. I mean, once you have housing, food, clothing, uh, you're really good, you, you know. And now, as society changes, needs change. Some people might say you need a car, especially if you have a job and you, and you live far away from that job. That could be a need. But needs are kind of static. Once you have the basic needs, you could survive. Wants, however, go on and on and on and on. We could always go with more stuff. We want more stuff. That's why our houses are getting bigger and bigger. That's why we have storage units. That's why we can't walk into our garages. We have so much stuff and we want more. And this is where resources come in. There's only so much food. There's only so much water. There's only so much clothing. There's only so much shelter. And we only have so much money to buy all the stuff we want and need. So we have to make decisions. What's more important? What do we want to save for? What do we want to purchase right now? If we do buy this, what are we giving up to purchase it? The concept of limited resources is called scarcity. Scarcity is the limited amount of a good or service. Scarcity is probably the fundamental problem studied in economics. There's only so much food, water, job opportunities, and the list goes on. Now, societies form different types of governments in order to tackle the best way to solve the scarcity issue, and each have differing results. The more something is scarce, the more valuable it can be. What is value? Value is what we think something is worth. It's, it's the price we put on something. Value is often determined by scarcity. We talked about that. And this new thing, utility. Utility is usefulness. What can you do with the good or service? So when you hear the word utility, just think useful. How useful is it? When discussing value, think about it this way. What makes a comic book or a baseball card valuable? Well, it's not utility. A baseball card can't really be used for anything. You can't build a house with it. You can't drive a car with it. You can't mine for gold with it. It's just a baseball card. No, a baseball card gets its value from its scarcity. It's rare. A car, on the other hand, is probably going to get its value from utility. 
You can use a car to get to work, go to school, visit grandma. So what does all this mean, Mr. Palumbo? Well, I'm glad you asked, Mr. Fictional Student. You know, we got to give Fictional Student a name, this voice that is rhetorically asking questions to help my conversations move along. If you guys have a good name for Fictional Student, please hit me up on the email or send me a message. Uh, you know, I thought Fictional Fanny, but that kind of sounds like it could be inappropriate. So anyway, Fictional Student, we need a name for him. Back to the point. Why are we talking about all these concepts? Well, economics is the study of human behavior, as I said earlier, and the more concepts we know, the more we can predict the choice person A or person B is going to make depending on the circumstances. Now, we haven't gone over all the things like supply and demand, but still, even with the terms and ideas already mentioned, we can start playing Mr. Economist. For example, let's take green energy, things like solar panels, electric cars, windmills, all things being equal, and that's economics talk for having only the information at hand. Why do you think the government has to subsidize these things? Subsidize means the government helps pay for them. In essence, it's because these types of uh, energy are not as efficient as fossil fuels and oftentimes are more expensive. So take your average Joe and tell him you can choose. Now remember, it's all about choices. You can choose an in internal combustion car, right? A car that runs on gas for half the cost of an electric car, which is going to get you further down the road. Or you can spend more money for something that is going to be cleaner for the environment, but it's less efficient, right? The performance is less. Now, what is average Joe going to do in this situation? Okay, now we have to talk in economics nine times out of 10, right? Nine times out of 10, average Joe is going to select the gas-powered car because it's cheaper and it's more efficient, right? It's a better deal. Now, we say nine times out of 10 because people are weird, so maybe average Joe, maybe he loves the environment so much that he is willing to pay for the uh, more expensive, less efficient option. And that is his choice. And we can apply value to this as well. Maybe average Joe values being, uh, what is it, uh, environmentally friendly. He values that. He places a higher value on being environmentally friendly that he is willing to pay more to be that way, where other people might not put a value on that, and so they don't care. Let's discuss education. Now, using what we've learned about value and scarcity, where does a college degree get its value? Is it from scarcity or utility? Are college degrees rare? Not today. Heck, even people flipping burgers might have a college degree of some kind, and I'm not disparaging people who work at fast food. You'll never hear me put down anyone with a job, boys and girls. A job is a job, period. Anyway, all I'm saying is, where does a college degree get its value? I mean, in society today, it's all about college, right? Everyone's got to go to college. Everyone and their grandma has to get a degree. Nearly everyone has a degree. Well, okay, that's not true. But as of 2019, a third of the population of America had a college degree. And that might not sound like a lot, 
But think about 1960, it was 5%. That's a big difference, folks. 5% is an elite group. 33%, not so much. And remember, as scarcity goes away, things lose their value. And we haven't even started talking about the usefulness of the degree yet. I mean, are we talking an engineering degree, accounting degree, a nursing degree? Or are we talking gender studies or 15th century French poetry or feminist African studies? There's stuff out there like that, folks. What niche in the economy does an African feminist expert fill? How much are college degrees today? Tens of thousands of dollars. The average amount of student debt in 2020 was $40,000. So you have all these young people who have decided to get, quote, an education based on something that doesn't even provide a good or service. They've got art history degrees. Now, again, I'm not disparaging those things, but did we, did we ask the economics question before we get those degrees and spend $40,000 if that degree is going to do anything for me? And now these same young people are drawn to politicians who say, we're going to cancel your student debt because it's not fair. We'll change your circumstances. We're going to install some socialism. And since you're all in debt, it sounds like a great idea to have the rich people pay for everything. Now, for those of you who have listened to every podcast of the Professor Liberty podcast, man, I wish I could give you a fist bump, a gold star, something. If you've actually listened to every single episode, I think that is so crazy. But episode seven, I believe, what is the one thing about government that is always true? It is inherently inefficient. So now politicians want to take socialism, which puts the government in charge of most of the economy. Well, off the top of our heads, we already know that's not going to work because governments are inefficient. But I digress. So the list goes on and on and on, folks. We could go on and on and on about using economic principles to predict what people are going to do. Let's take taxes really quick. The more taxes that are drawn, right? So if I make, and I'm going to do, I'm just going to do small round numbers. If I make a hundred dollars and the tax rate is 10%, I'm only taking home $90. I've lost $10 of my income, okay? If you cut taxes to 5%, you have just given me back $5 of my income. My income has now gone up $5. If my income goes up, I'm more likely to spend more money. The more money I have, the more money I'm likely to spend. This is kind of called supply-side economics. This is Arthur Laffer and President Reagan. This idea of give people more money in their pockets and they will drive the economy. You can do that or the other option is give more money to the government so they can waste it and you have a slower economy. So in closing, remember value is based on utility and scarcity. And since human wants are unlimited, but resources are limited, people have to make choices. This is a fact. This is not political. This is just the economic laws set down many, many years before we were even here. This is not some right-wing talking point. 
And most of this is simple, guys. Sure, it's complex. Sure, when you get into the microeconomics and you get into the weeds, there's going to be a lot of math and formula and algorithms. But if you look at the big picture, it's also simple, right? Think about human nature. If you give Johnny choice A and choice B, what is Johnny going to do about it? So remember, a want is something that you don't really need to live and you want everything. Wants are unlimited. A need is something that you need to survive or if you don't have it, life is going to be very uncomfortable. Value is the price that we put on something. What is the worth of something? And value is determined by scarcity, how rare it is, and utility, how useful it is. Once you've learned these economic principles, you can better interpret the talking points of people who are trying to control you, yes, and control your money. You don't need to know calculus. You don't need an economics degree. Learn basic principles and learn how to predict human nature. And you'll impress your friends, and they'll think, you know, you're some kind of wizard for predicting this would happen. Tell them, no, you're no wizard. You just listen to Professor Liberty. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to email me, the email is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Liberty.